This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nelly. This week's guest is Kansas 4th District Representative Mike Pompeo. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry. America's Crop Insurance Industry, providing individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Republican Congressman Mike Pompeo next. America's crop insurance industry is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. With crop prices falling, farm income plummeting, and Mother Nature wrecking havoc, the private sector crop insurance infrastructure is more important today than ever. Providing individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. If biotech disclosure legislation clears the U.S. Senate, the language must still be approved by House members. Kansas 4th District Representative Mike Pompeo was instrumental in developing his chamber's version of a national GMO labeling bill. His interest in the issue was prompted by farmers in his home state. Well, the first thing that brought to my attention was a group of Kansas farmers who came to see me to talk about what they thought it was going to mean to them and their farms and the folks that they were trying to feed with their products. Vermont law had frankly just been passed, and they knew that uh, that it was going to fundamentally alter the way uh, they were capable of using biotech to improve crop yields and reduce the use of water, all the things that mattered to them and to their family farms. And so I started learning about it, dug in, and realized uh, that we needed to uh, fundamentally change the way we were going to do it so we could feed the next billion people and began uh, to chip away at building what ultimately became a big, broad coalition, Republicans and Democrats, to support legislation that would have done a common-sense thing with respect to this safe technology, which is to create a federal standard that didn't require any labeling. Can this Congress afford to wait on addressing this issue no the time is the time is upon us vermont passed the statute many of the food companies have already responded they're beginning to label their products some have decided it appears not to actually ship into vermont but suffice it to say we have this technology that is safe that the fda and the usda and all of the science make clear presents no risk to humans that the bioengineered biotech crop is the same as the non-gmo crop in terms of health and safety. And so we need to get the government out of the business of mandating labeling for inherently safe items. Could I ask your observation about the debate that has been highly publicized inside the Senate Agriculture Committee? Have they been on point with similar points that that they worked through that you also faced in developing that proposed legislation in the House? So the issues are very similar. Uh, I always start from the point that someone who believes that markets work, um, I want to make sure that consumers know what's in their food if they want to know what's in their food, too. Uh, uh, the bill that we passed has been called sometimes the Dark Act, deny Americans the right to know. Um, but we didn't do that. If you want to eat organic or you want to eat non-GMO, you ought to be able to do that. You ought to go to the store and buy those products that reflect that on the label. But we shouldn't force the providers of this food to label what is safe. The truth of the matter is most of the opponents of this legislation truly want these GMOs banned from the marketplace. It's uh, It comes up as a labeling bill, but the truth is they're trying to ban them from the market. 
And that's not good for the American people. It's not good for the global food supply chain. And I assure you, we'll drive up the cost for every American family to put food on the table for themselves and the children. What do you feel is important to be included in the federal standard toward labeling? Well, it looks like the Senate's getting to the end of their process, too. It's taken them a little while longer. It's not going to be exactly what I, I would have written, and I've been writing it myself. It's not the same bill that I passed, but it's going to accomplish the following. It is going to create a federal standard, so folks selling the products that are biotech engineers won't have to figure out how to segregate across 50 or more different sets of rules. It will create a national standard. Uh, it will have a federal mandatory disclosure requirement. It won't be on the label, but it'll be easy for folks get, to go and get access to. And the result of that is we will have, for the first time, a national standard with respect to how it is we're going to treat this incredibly important technology for America. In the Senate, a preliminary vote showed 68 senators in favor of advancing the legislation. Your legislation and the House did pass overwhelmingly. Do you see the vote in the Senate as a precursor for what we might find in the House, or do you think there may be challenges from some of the members of the House? I think we're going to be okay. I think I think there'll be enough votes. We'll, we'll have to go back and recount once everybody in the House I guess to see what the Senate actually did, which is a little bit different. Um, but I hope they finish up in the Senate before too terribly long and we can begin the work to ensure that we, we don't want to pass this with 218 votes on partisan lines. We want this to be a common-sense national priority. This is, this is the way we're going to handle this technology, and we can do so with Republicans and Democrats from all across the country supporting the Senate bill. And I'm confident that if we do each of those two things, uh, the president will sign it. The uh, Secretary of Bielsack at the Department of Agriculture has actually been really, really good on this issue. And I'm confident that they will ultimately conclude that this is a step forward and will sign it. Do you see a holdup on mandatory disclosure? So there will be some that are concerned about it. I frankly don't like it myself. I wouldn't, wouldn't have it in there. My concern, of course, is, is that um, this will be the first of many that they'll follow this path. Uh, trying to get other safe items to have a requirement that they be labeled. The list of potential items to be labeled would be endless and imposes a real uncertainty and burden on the food supply chain. Um, so it's not ideal. Having said that, my judgment is that this is a superior alternative to allowing there to be a multiplicity of rules that, frankly, would make the cost of food rise almost immediately in America. From what you've read, what does the Senate bill leave out, or what does it include that you don't feel like should be there? So the biggest provision is I would prefer that there be no mandatory requirement. I would prefer that the market dictate uh, uh, folks' choices for how their food is labeled and packaged and for its content. Uh, but otherwise, it's a very good, strong piece of legislation. It provides uh, for uh, Americans to know what's in their food. It provides an opportunity uh, for companies to seek redress if they feel like uh, somehow they um, aren't able to comply because of a technical issue. So other, other than uh, that issue of whether uh, this disclosure ought to be mandatory or not. The Senate bill is a good one, and I'm hopeful that they'll get it done and bring it over to the House and we can pass it this year as well. So would you expect then that the Senate language would come to the House and that the House would approve it, or do you feel like that we might wind up at a conference committee? We could go to conference. I think it's more likely that we pass the Senate version. I say that because the timing is essential. It is upon us. Uh, it took the Senate an awfully long time to finish their work, and we are up against the deadline uh, even today. What role did the Food and Drug Administration play in deliberation and development of the House language? So they were very involved. Uh, we went to them early on as we were developing our bill. We wanted to make sure it was something that uh, 
that they could understand and that would accomplish uh, their, from their perspective, which is truth and labeling. Uh, and we wanted them to confirm for us that this technology was, in their judgment, safe. And we got, uh, we made some changes. We listened to their concerns. We drafted to make sure that we addressed them. And they ultimately came to, while they didn't endorse the bill, they came to testify at a hearing where they indicated that they knew that the, the biotech products were just as safe as their non-bioengineered counterparts and that this would be a reasonable solution to solving this problem with respect to the challenge that the Vermont law presents to the food supply chain. What role did the USDA play in the development of the language? You know, they came a little bit later. Um, our, our bill changed a little bit, too, as it went on, and we developed a piece of art legislation that ensured that the jurisdiction of the USDA, primarily over uh, uh, meat and poultry products, uh, that the uh, USDA's role there was paramount as well. We weren't trying to encroach on their ability uh, and we didn't want two regulators regulating any set of those uh, food producers. Uh, so the USDA became involved later, but Secretary Vilsack was very active in helping our House bill uh, receive the number of votes it did all across the political spectrum. It seems that in the discussion about the Senate language, the FDA may have some issue with the language that Senator Roberts and Senator Stabenow have developed. Any insight there? So I saw the comments that the Food and Drug Administration made. I was a bit surprised by them. They weren't directed towards the substance of the bill, in my view. They were directed towards what they perceived as ambiguities and what they thought were issues about clarity, their, uh, what might be exempted, what might not be exempted. Um, I need to learn more about it, but I'm not convinced that the FDA has that right. But if, in fact, they do, and there's a way that we can improve it, make it better, perhaps we can fix that uh, in the House, send it back, but... Frankly, if they are major objections, I, I think going back and forth and trying to delay this by going to conference uh, presents real risk to the folks who are trying to ensure that we have continuity and uh, affordable food for every American. Congressman, there is a short congressional calendar left with so many other events taking place in this election year. What do you see of the budget process? So the budget process in the House side is, frankly, a nearly complete uh, unfortunately, we won't have a chance to take those bills and match them up with the, our center counterparts. So we will end up in September when we come back doing an omnibus bill or a continuing resolution, uh, which is uh, regretful. It does not allow the uh, majority in the House to exercise its will uh, and conform our spending policies to the things we all were elected to achieve. Uh, it's most unfortunate. But my guess is that come the middle of September, we're looking at passing a continuing resolution. In the race for the White House, the discussion of both leading candidates seems not to be favorable to trade. How do you see this affecting the Congress? Do you see this affecting the will of the country based on the comments of candidates thus far? Uh, boy, I sure hope not. Uh, we understand here in Kansas, uh, we have uh, markets we need to address all around the world. We need access to those markets. Uh, the trade agreements that are currently pending could almost certainly be better. I'm sure that's true of every trade agreement. But when you talk to folks who are making soybeans and wheat, corn, and airplane parts, and all the things that matter so much here in Kansas, uh, we need to be working diligently to ensure that uh, these agreements giving our suppliers access to those consumers, those middle-class consumers all around the world, uh, take place. And I, I hope that some of the sort of the uh, I think misinformed information about the importance of trade around the world uh, doesn't impact Congress, Congress as well, and that we get good pro-American trade agreements passed before the end of the year. Do those comments, you think, cloud the opportunity to uh, see this Congress consider TPP and a lame duck? 
I think they do. Um, I think I think the chances of that have been reduced as a result of some of the conversations that has taken place uh, in the presidential election, uh, and it's it's unfortunate. Uh, look, it, it goes without saying. Um, every member of the Kansas congressional delegation wants to make sure America gets a good deal, right? We want we want those trade agreements to be pro-American, protecting our folks' uh, access to markets around the world. Um, it's also true that every trade agreement that's ever been entered into had imperfection. Uh, and I wish we would be having that substantive discussion rather than uh, uh, just uh, throwing bricks at uh, deals that are going to prevent Kansas from having the opportunity to sell the products all around the world. What has been your impression of the NAFTA agreement? Should it be dismantled and, and renegotiated? No, I think that'd be a mistake. I think it has ultimately benefited Kansas enormously. Uh, and if there are some things that are rubbing and over what's now been a pretty extended period of time don't work, for America, I think it's very reasonable to go back and have a discussion and see if we can't fix them. I'm sure there's things uh, that our counterparts in those agreements would find uh, that we could do better. Uh, every vehicle needs a tune-up after it's been road tested uh, in the way that NAFTA has. But I am convinced that uh, NAFTA has been a, a an enormous net benefit for not only the people of Kansas, but for the people of America as well. The administration was putting a, a lot of effort into trying to bring a conclusion to the TTIP talks uh, by the end of this calendar year, it seems a referendum and having United Kingdom exiting from the European Union may have clouded that as well. I think that's right. I think it has certainly thrown some uh, additional complexity on what was already going to be a pretty difficult issue to get uh, moving uh, in a presidential election year. Um, I, I, reg- I regret that for that reason, uh, but I'm hopeful that as we move into the fall uh, that we can begin to have a focused discussion. If there are Items that need to be changed to ensure that Americans have access to markets. For goodness sake, let's work to get them changed. But we ought not to throw the baby out with the bathwater and deny uh, Americans the jobs that come with this enormous trade. Right? We we forget that it takes it takes a sale of a product, revenue coming into a Kansas company, for that company to be able to hire employees. And we want that in Kansas. We want that in America. We don't want to. Uh, abandon those enormous markets, and uh, we need to be engaged in the world in order to properly do that. The Environmental Protection Agency most recently offering their volume obligations for the coming year, and again, they are just below the statute that was approved by Congress. Does that agency have the the, the right to propose numbers that they have suggested? Uh, sadly, they do. We had a hearing. Uh, Ms. McCabe, a senior EPA official, was in just this past week. We were talking about uh, the entire breadth of the renewable fuel standard. Uh, they have the absolute right to set those levels. They did set it below the statutory levels, but they set it above what I think anyone believes will actually be blended, what will actually be put into the uh, product. Um, we need, Congress needs a broad policy discussion to reevaluate uh, whether and how the uh, RFS uh, continues to work or not work. No one was happy. With the, with the proposed numbers that EPA put out last year. Now, they were both controversial and late and created massive uncertainty for the agriculture community and the uh, uh, refineries all along the energy supply chain. Uh, we need to fix the timing and have a substantive discussion to say, how is this going to work? We ought not put out standards that are totally unachievable. That's what has happened. We ought to have a set of standards uh, that make sense and then work to find a solution that ultimately phases out the RFS after uh, 2022 when the current standards expire, which creates uh, great risk for the Kansas agriculture community if we don't get that right. 
What about after 2022? When does that discussion start, and, and what do you see would be most productive? So the discussion is well underway. It seems like a long ways off now, uh, five and a half, six years away. Uh, but you have businesses making investment decisions today all along the energy supply chain. Uh, we need to have a serious discussion uh, about um, how to do uh, ethanol in America, whether to mandate ethanol in America. If so, what types? Should it be corn-based? I am, I am convinced this administration uh, is so deathly focused on carbon and carbon emissions that they're going to do a real bad turn not only for Kansas energy but for Kansas agriculture as well. For those who oppose the EPA's Waters of the U.S. rule, uh, it is easy to get a forum to discuss the challenges, but not been so easy to come up with a majority or a veto-proof majority in either chamber. Is the Congress done with that issue yet this year? No, sir, we're not done, uh, and it has been impossible to get a veto-proof majority on either side. You have that quite right. Uh, but I am hopeful that much like last year, uh, we will be able to, through the spending process, uh, delay the implementation of that rule uh, for yet another year. It's a, it's an imperfect answer. Uh, I wish that we could get the Senate to do what the House has been able to do, that is to pass legislation to stop the Obama administration from implementing these series of disastrous EPA rules, including the waters of the U.S. rule. Uh, but we haven't been able to get enough votes in the Senate to do that, and so we uh, are stuck with uh, putting a spending prohibition into the year-end spending bill. I'm hopeful we'll do that again next year. It'll delay it for one more year, and perhaps the next administration won't be so obsessed with doing so much harm to Kansas agriculture with almost no benefit to America's environment. Sitting on the Energy and Commerce Committee, I would draw attention to the ceremonies that were held in introducing and uh, opening the additions and uh, the the uh, the uh, improvements that have been made to the Panama Canal. The fact that that canal is now better and open for larger vessels, does that impose the U.S. to take action for our inland waterways and for our port system? Yeah, there's lots of infrastructure needs uh, here in the United States. Uh, that certainly includes our capacity to move uh, products of all kinds, manufactured goods and agricultural goods alike. Uh, we, we know that here in Kansas, uh, when we have these markets, uh, when we have access to them via our trade agreements, we've got to be able to affordably uh, move that product, whether it's by train or, ra- or ship or truck. Uh, we've got to be able to affordably get them to end markets, and having the Panama Canal open is ultimately a, uh, a net positive. We've got to make sure the United States does its part as well to have uh, quick, efficient routes for our products to get to their end customers. Congressman Pompeo, we want to thank you for spending time with us here on Open Mic. And, sir, it is Open Mic, and you have an open forum. You know, I'd just like to add that uh, we, we all know that if our agriculture community is given the opportunity to freely distribute its product with the set of regulations imposed upon them that make sense, we all want clean air and safe drinking water, uh, but only those that make sense. Uh, if, if we can accomplish those two things and people of goodwill from across the entire political spectrum can come together around those basic points, uh, Kansas agriculture will continue to do its Uh, glorious job of feeding uh, the world at an affordable price. Our thanks to Kansas 4th District Representative Mike Pompeo, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry, providing individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland. 
Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nelly.